This is a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z-Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play Doctor Online, and I don't often start the show with one of these, but I have to start the show with, with one of these. This was not something that I had planned out when I put my notes together earlier this afternoon. That's I record these on Friday nights. I do it just like a live radio show. Sit down, do the show. I don't edit. I take a couple of breaks just to rest my voice. That's what I do. And on Friday afternoons, I sit down uh, through the week. I jot down little notes for little ideas of things to talk about on the show. And then I get everything together in my composition notebook here. Uh, two pages worth of notes that dictate how my show will go. But sometimes something happens that, um, that just uh, changes what I'm going, what I had planned on doing. And I, and that can happen when I listen to other podcasts. Uh, longtime listeners to my show will know that on Friday nights, I work in the evenings, I clean a building. Tonight, I did two. I was filling in for another cleaner uh, at a building, so I, so I got home a little bit later than I normally do. But while I clean, I listen to podcasts. And there's this one that I've been listening to for quite some time now. It is a very successful podcast. It is very successful. Uh, it uh, it's, it's a true crime podcast. And bef- before I get into the problem I have with this particular podcast, which will lead me into a little skeptical talk, so that's kind of cool, because, you know, I do skeptical talk on this show sometimes. But uh, there's something... It it, it seems like every generation thinks they've invented something. (laughs) That's something that has existed for a long time. And I've been hearing this... This is not the only podcast I hear this this phrase. I hear it on other podcasts. And what it's, it's called the Marin Open... The Marin Open, which is Mark Marin. He's a comedian who does a podcast. Uh, I think he started doing this podcast in 2009. It's called WTF. And it's a podcast on which he interviews people. Uh, His biggest get was President Obama. I think it was while President Obama was president. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that he was president at, at the time. And so that's a big get for a podcast. And Mark Maron is very successful in his podcast. He gets thousands of downloads, so he must be doing something right. I don't get thousands. I might get dozens <laughs> on a show. But hey, nobody knows that I do this, except for a very select few. Anyway, enough about that, about me. But the, there are other podcasts out there that are very successful podcasts. They get thousands of downloads, and I hear them say they're Marin Open. What is a Marin Open? A Marin Open is a, a talk show. It's a segment on a talk show at the beginning of the show where the host will talk about something that's not necessarily related to what's going to happen on the show. It, it, you know, if it's an interview program and the president's going to be on or whoever the guest is going to be on that show, 
before they get to them, they'll talk about something, and it's generally something that happened in their lives. Not necessarily. It might just be something that's on their mind. It might be, I saw this movie, I thought it was great, and I wanted to talk about it. They, and so the, the youngsters out there with their podcasts think that Mark Marin came up with this. They call it the Marin Open, except Mark Marin didn't come up with this. This little talk at the beginning of a, of a talk show has been going on since there have been talk shows. Oh, maybe not from the very beginning, but it goes way back. There's a podcast that I listen to that has been going on since 2007. It's, it's, it's George Robb's podcast, the Geologic Podcast, and he does what's called a cold open. He didn't invent the cold open, but the cold open that he does at the, at the beginning of his show is essentially his Marin open, except he started doing it before Mark Marin started doing a podcast. So should we call it the Rob open? But really, we ought to look back even farther and I could look back to, oh, I don't know, 1957, when Jack Parr was the host of The Tonight Show. Oh, at the time it was called Tonight, or it was called The Jack Parr Show, but it eventually became The, the Tonight Show. And Jack Parr took over when Steve Allen stopped doing the show, and Jack Parr took over, and then after Jack Parr was done, Johnny Carson took over the show. Now, Johnny Carson retired from The Tonight Show in 1992. That's been 27 years since he's done The Tonight Show. That's insane. <laughs> and he did it for 30 years. So that's how far back Jack Parr goes. And what did Jack Parr used to do? I kid you not, he would start the show talking about something. It would be, he'd give a story, some story in his life. He was a very good raconteur. He was a good storyteller, and that was part of his, his charm. It was part of his... His, uh, his entertainment, it was part of the reason why people tuned in. What was the little story at the beginning of the show that Jack Parr was going to tell? Should we call it the Parr Open? I mean, so kids, you didn't invent it. It's not, stop calling it the Marin Open. Okay, that's not necessarily the arg, though. It is an annoyance. It does bother me. It's, it's like the same, it's like this other thing that I know I've complained about on, about podcasts before. You know, if you are running a podcast, and you're the host of one, and you, uh, uh, you don't want to annoy your listeners, if, 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 especially if I'm one of your listeners, you don't want to annoy me, uh, don't drink something from a glass that has ice in it. Because your listener will hear the clinkity-clinkity-clink of the ice. And it's annoying. So don't do that. I've heard podcasts where they do that. But there was one in particular that did it quite a lot. But lately, not so much. So maybe they've gotten the message. And again, that's a very wildly successful podcast that gets thousands of downloads. And it didn't take long. I've been re-listening to the past uh, episodes from the beginning. I've been doing a little uh, experiment with it. I won't get into it, but I've been listening, re-listening to them. And about, I don't know, five or six episodes in, maybe seven episodes in, they start talking about how their downloads just explode. Now, I don't know, maybe my show sucks. <laughs> maybe that's why nobody listens to it. But somehow, but they're, so they're doing something right, except when they drink some, you know, iced drink in a glass where you hear the clinkity tinkly clinkity of the ice it's very annoying but no <laughs> my arg and i may have mentioned this before has to deal with a podcast called my favorite murder which is hosted by karen gilgariff and georgia hardstark uh, these are two comedian uh women who met each other at a party and realized that they both really enjoy true crime stories. And they had this idea, let's do a podcast where we will tell true crime stories. And that was wildly successful. I mean, it's huge. I went to see a live performance. It took Amy to see a live performance of them doing their true crime stories. But I got to admit... Uh, in listening to the podcast, uh, their Jack Parr Open, or the, what they call their Marin Open, I usually speed through that. 
I just am not all that interested in it. It kind of gets on my nerves. Eh, you know, kind of gets on my nerves. And so I'll speed along until they get to their true crime stories now. Georgia will tell one, and Karen will tell one. One. So you get two true crime stories, usually they're true, true crime stories, each show. And at the end of the show, they'll have some some listener will have written in their hometown murder story. I generally skip those two. I've found that a lot of the time when I hear these hometown murder stories or whatever they decide to read from a, from a listener seems to sometimes fall into the urban legend category where I listen to it and I think, yeah, I'm not sure I buy that. So I usually just skip them. So I just want to hear the two main stories that Karen and Georgia will tell. But what is my arg? What is my arg when it comes to that? Every goddamn show... It happens every goddamn time. When they get ready to tell their stories, they say, Who goes first? Do you go first? Did you go first last time? I don't remember. Did I go first? Who goes first? And then they talk to their producer. Steven, do you remember who goes first? And then Steven says, Well, uh, at the last live show, uh, Karen went first. So I guess, you know, George should go. Every goddamn show. Every one of them. And it's just, it drives me nuts. I want, I, you know, I, I you know, <laughs> I want to make the sound. When I hear that, it's just, this is something that you decide before you press the record button. You don't make your audience sit through a minute, two minutes, maybe it's only 20 seconds. You don't make your audience sit through. Who goes first? Is it you that goes first? Karen, do you go first? I don't remember. I think you go first. Oh, it just, it just, it's every time. Every time. So on the latest My Favorite Murder, uh, I skip through their, their open, and I get to the, uh, the stories. And uh, uh, Georgia went first, and she does the Jacob Wetterling story. And she does a very good job telling the story. She, you know, and both of them are very good about giving their sources where they get their material. Uh, Georgia got a lot of her materi- material from this podcast called In the Dark, which is an, uh, an investigative journalism podcast, which is really good. And their first season dealt with the Jacob Wetterling case. And I would recommend that you check it out because I, th- I think it's done really, really well. And, and it was done at the time where we found out who it was that abducted and killed uh, um, Jacob Wetterling. And it's, it's really, really good. Just check it out. And Georgia does a good job synopsizing the information for her bit and and they make a little comedy out of it they're not trying to make fun of victims and things like that they're trying to just you know have some enjoyment with the with the true crime story without hopefully without stepping on the victims they I think they do a fairly decent job of that and then then it's it's Karen's turn you know Georgia does the Jacob Welling story if I made a mistake and mis- mixed their names it was Georgia that did the Jacob Welling Karen, she takes over and she does the story. Now, this isn't a true crime story, but she does the story of the Mothman prophecies. Or, as skeptics know it, the misidentified owl sightings. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's what it is, most likely. Sure, there's a possibility that it's some mystical creature that was trying to get a message to the people of West Virginia uh, on the Ohio River and these towns there trying to get this message that there was a bridge uh, that was going to collapse and trying to get this message out to them but people didn't understand it could be that or it was an owl that was misidentified by a bunch of people so Georgia starts she tells the story it's 1966 through 1967. There were a whole bunch of sightings of this, of this owl, or different owls, but you know, owls. 
Yeah, they, it looks like a, a bird man. They'd say that it has a, a weird face with red glowing eyes and long wings. It was huge. And they would see it. You know, groups of people, individual people, young people, old people, police, pilots, all different kinds of people would be seeing this thing. And, and so it started getting this kind of legend around it. And then, uh, uh, I think it was in, in 1967 or so, uh, near Christmas, uh, it was in December, there's this bridge that crosses the Ohio River. And it's a, it's a kind of span bridge or suspension bridge or whatever they call it. And it was built a long time ago. And it was not built to handle the kind of traffic that over the years began to build up. You know, to become more and more and to be traffic. Like they, they would say like 4,000 cars a day went across this bridge. And eventually, you know, when traffic was kind of stuck on the bridge, there was a, one of the spans had a, had a little crack in it that gave way and the bridge collapsed and something like 60 some people went in to the to, into the river uh, 46 of them died it was the it was the most uh, you know um, the most deaths of any bridge collapse ever in, in the United States history uh, might still be I think it still is uh, I believe Karen said it was and the connection to the Mothman prophecies, or this, this Mothman thing, was that the sightings came to an end after the bridge collapsed. There were no more sightings. And it's like, and, and George is, ooh, that's creepy and all that. And I'm listening to something going, oh, God, I keep going through the whole thing, listening to it. Now, now uh, Karen did a good job telling the story, and I, was, I found the, the bridge collapse part of it interesting. Tragic, yes, it was, but it was interesting, and she did a good job telling it. But I, the whole time through, I'm going through. It's an owl. It's an owl. Joe Nickel, a skeptical investigator, looked into it, and the most likely explanation is that it was a, a was an owl. And I guess there's a certain kind of owl called a barred owl, or maybe just a barn owl, but some kind of owl would match up with these the way that people described it. And here's the here's the thing. And I'm not a psychology person. I don't. I'm not trained in it, and I don't have any education in it. But um, I, there's something that I've learned that people tend to overestimate the size of uh, something they don't know what it is when they see something. They don't know what it is. It's they don't really get a good look at it. They tend to overestimate its size. They tend to say it's bigger than what the thing actually is. So when these people were seeing this owl at night, it's a dark silhouette in the sky with these glowing eyes because that's light reflection in the eyes of, of an owl that that happens. When they'd see it, they would think, oh, it's 10 feet tall or it's, you know, it's eight feet tall or it's, it's huge, you know, when it's probably more like four feet, maybe three. And it's just, it's just something we do. And, and this is just me spitballing here, but it might have to do with the fight-or-flight uh, instinct that humans, that all animals have. In our lizard brain, you know, the oldest part of our brain, it's probably this this thing that your brain does that says, it's even bigger. You should really run. <laughs> Maybe that's what that is. But the idea that the stories ended, the sightings ended, once that bridge collapsed, so that people said, oh, they did this correlation, that maybe that must mean that these sightings were this, this moth man trying to warn us that this bridge was going to collapse. Karen did suggest that if that was the case, the, uh, the moth man did a shitty job. But why would the stories just end? I have a speculation. Remember the summer of the shark? Do you remember that? It was a while ago. It was uh, the summer of 2001. 2001. 2001. What happened at the end of that summer? Now, as that summer was going along, we were hearing all kinds of stories about shark attacks in Australia and other areas of the world. We were hearing there was these shark attacks, and it seemed like the shark attacks was like every week there was another shark attack. When actually, people who knew statistics were saying, Really, it's not all that different than a normal year. It's just what happens is it's 2001. The internet 
and the 24-hour news cycle are really beginning to hit their stride. So stories that you know 10 years prior, you know, prior might not have gotten the notice are now getting picked up and zoomed all around the world. So maybe there was two shark attacks in close proximity to each other. One 24-hour news outlet picks up on that idea, and then they start looking into shark attacks, and they pay attention, and all of a sudden there's more, and it, and it just starts to go viral. And it becomes a big story. But what happened at the end of the summer in 2001? 9-11 happened. A a significant thing happened. A non-trivial thing happened. Not to say that shark attacks are trivial, to the especially to the people who were attacked, but something so much bigger drew the attention of the news media, you know, of journalists, and of people that are consuming news. The internet folks. The, you know, this, so the, this, the shark thing became a silly you know, who cares now? We've got something bigger to be concern ourselves with. And I think on a smaller scale, that's maybe what happened in 1967 when the Mothman sightings ended because they had something bigger to focus on. A bridge collapsed and 47 people lost their lives. That's, that's more important than this silly story about seeing some giant moth guy or actually, you know, misidentify, you know, people misidentifying owls. So, I don't know, I could be wrong. I'm not some expert on this kind of thing, but that somewhat makes sense to me. What else makes sense is that I should take my first break. Uh, you're listening to Dimland Radio on the Z-Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. Uh, I'll be back after this break, so, you know, just hang around. <laughs> I'll be Hornswoggled. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. You don't say. Oh, what? You think you went off to college or something? On ztalkradio.com. That's the most amazing thing since Grandma survived the outhouse incident. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Val Tor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. When, oh when, will someone design an exploding head emoticon? Please, someone, anyone. You're listening to Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. Getting some Z's. Getting some Z's. Getting some Z's. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Listen to Z-Talk Radio. On Z-Talk Radio. Are we going to record this one? I see. Well, that's me. And welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the Z-Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. You know how I say at the top of the show, uh, remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online. Uh, I throw that little double entendre joke in there because I have the nickname Dr. Dim. And I go by that uh, whenever I communicate on with you know the Stuck in the 80s podcast. I used to on their chat room and the chat room here at Z Talk when used to be active. I come in as as Doctor Dim, so I thought if I'm going to be using the nickname Doctor Dim on my show, uh, I should make sure people know that I'm not really a doctor. I'm not. 
I'm a janitor, an office manager, a cartoonist, a podcaster, sort of. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I'm not a doctor. However, I can play doctor online. And I think now I can play doctor through the mail. Uh, I got an interesting bit of mail. It's not that interesting. Uh, except for how it was addressed. Uh, it's a, it's you know, it's a Manila envelope, and it's a pre-sorted thing, so you know it's just some sales bullshit. But it has printed in the lower right corner of the front of the envelope. It says "strictly confidential." That's right. This is strictly confidential. So maybe I shouldn't tell you any of this, but let's chance it. Nobody listens to this, so who's going to hear it, right? All right, it's addressed to James Fitzsimmons, spelled correctly. Fitzsimmons was spelled with one M, as it should be. Or at least, that's how we spell it in our family. James Fitzsimmons, M.D. Huh? Huh? Hey, 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 that's kind of interesting. M.D.? Surely, does that mean, you know, it means medical doctor or something like that? Like doctor of medicine or some, maybe some Latin way of saying it. But M.D., right? Ah, okay, so I I open up the envelope. Uh, there was no bomb in there, and no anthrax came falling out, uh, came out, so that's good. But it's it's some it's some well, I'll read just just a little bit of it. <clears throat> it's referencing physicians in Minnesota. And it says, Dear Doctor Fitzsimmons, huh? Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Yeah, my sister is a is a doctor. She's got a doctorate. She's you know she could be called Doctor Fitzsimmons. But uh, you know, dear Doctor Fitzsimmons, I am reaching out with an offer that may sound too good to be true. Well, you know, as a skeptic, that always perks up our ears. What? Too good to be true? Hmm. That's something we're always paying attention to, pal. I'm reaching out to you with an offer that may sound too good to be true. I have authorized loan terms and features that you will not find from any other lender. If you're asking yourself why you are receiving this offer, know that you deserve it and you have earned it. As a physician in Minnesota, you have access to a working capital loan of up to $250,000 with a low fixed payment, flexible terms, and no personal collateral required. Huh? Two hundred and fifty grand, quarter of a million dollars. Of course, you got to pay it back. <laughs> so it's just something trying to get me to take out a loan, but because I'm a, I'm a physician, huh? Pretty cool. So I guess I can say now that I, I just play doctor online, and in the mail. Last week, I talked about some un unpleasant stuff. Uh, I was talking about the resident of uh, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue over there in Washington, D.C. And, uh, and I know that uh, I've got listeners that uh, don't particularly care for hearing about this guy, but I needed to, I, I needed to talk about a little bit of something that uh, happened um, in relation to the same topic that I had last week. And I was talking about how the president... President Donald Trump and his wife went to El Paso, Texas and Dayton, Ohio to visit with uh, victims, survivors of the mass shootings that took place there and to the, you know, to visit uh, with the, uh, the first responders and the, the hospital staff that were caring for the people that uh, were affected by those horrible mass shootings. And I was disappointed uh, to put it mildly, with a photograph that I saw of the president and his wife with big beaming smiles over the, you know, while standing over the bed of a child uh, who was a victim uh, uh, of one of these shootings. Now, <clears throat> that was last Friday night when I recorded it. I went, on, I, I wrapped up my recording and I went on online, looked on Facebook, and somebody had shared an article 
that was uh, uh, posted on theatlantic.com, and it was written by a fellow named Graham Wood. Uh, it's an opinion piece, and it was about uh, a different photograph which I hadn't seen. Now, if you look at last week's show notes, which you can get to the show notes by going to dim, dimland.com, click on the blog option, and you will get to the show notes. You'll see this image that I'm going to talk about. I will also link to this article and have the image on uh, this week's show notes, or at least the link to the article so you can check it out. And I, I promise you, I'm going when I get to the end of this talk, I am going to practice a little bit of the principle of charity in this situation. But uh, I'm bringing this up because I had, uh, uh, there was a, uh, I think a telling conversation uh, with a Trump supporter through Facebook, who's a friend of mine, someone I've known for a long time, and and the and the very human possibility, the very human um, ability to be able to twist your way of thinking in order to to keep supporting someone that maybe shouldn't have your support. Um, and, okay, so the picture I need to tell you about, uh, it's a photograph in which uh, it's the first couple. There are two other people in the, in the picture that are adults. There's a, there's a man standing on the side next to the president. He has kind of a smile on his face. Not a full-on thing, but a little bit of a, sm a smile. There's a woman standing next to uh, the first lady, and she's looking fairly, very, very serious, actually. She's not, you know, she's not looking angry, but she's looking serious. And there is a fifth person in the photograph, an infant, a little baby boy. He's dressed up in a uh, light uh, uh, sky blue blazer with a uh, red plaid bow tie on. He's kind of dressed up for the moment because well, he's meeting the president and the first lady. Uh, he's The baby is being held by the first lady. Uh, and the reason the baby's in this, I, I don't know if it was harmed at all, but the baby was newly orphaned. Uh, orphaned because his parents used their bodies to shelter him from a hail of bullets from one of the mass shooters, the one in El Paso, Texas. They died. They saved their son's life. And the president and his wife are standing there with this, this baby. The, the first lady is holding the baby. She's smiling. And the president is really smiling with a thumbs up. And I looked at that. It's just like the wind got knocked out of me. It's like, what the... F I mean, how completely clueless is this man? This is not how you act in this situation. It's not. And I shared the article, and I put in there, I wrote, I know... The media did this. There's a reason why I said that. I was pointing it at a particular person. I was pointing my statement at them. And then I said this. This is how not to act presidential. And then I let you know put the link to the article to let the article speak for itself. You know, people would read it. It's a short one. Uh, we're essentially saying, you know, it, just when you thought he couldn't, the president couldn't go any lower. Just when you thought he couldn't be any more tone deaf. Just when you thought he couldn't be any more clueless. You, who, you standing there with a thumbs up and a big grin, with, with your wife holding a baby whose parents were just murdered. The, completely, and, and and that's the posed for the record photograph. It's not some incidental photograph with, with photographers all over the place snapping away. It's not one of those. This was, I'm getting my picture taken now. Everybody say cheese. So I posted that on my Facebook page shortly after I finished recording my show last Friday. And uh, I had a friend from, uh, that I went to high school with. I've, I mentioned him before. He's, he's, uh, he's a former military 
uh, he will back me up in a lot of things when I you know get step into any kind of controversy he'll back me up and um, but he'll also challenge me which is good and his comment he, he before I went to bed he commented on it and he said wow all is all I can say although he did go on to say a little more his cult will put on the blinders and continue to sell their souls, values, and integrity, defending this complete and utter moron. And I said, sadly, yes. Or sadly, yep, you know, is my response. And then I went to bed. And I didn't look at Facebook again until much later the next day. In fact, I got to the comic book store, which I work on weekends, and the store manager came in, and he asked... Uh, you know, he says to me, "Boy, that one friend of yours. This is a different friend. The one I was pointing the media comment at, the Trump supporter friend of mine, who I've known for many, many years." He says, "Boy, he's he's really, he really drank the Kool-Aid, didn't he?" And I said, "I, I don't know what I didn't see his response." And he says, "Well, he, he's trying to defend the thumbs up smile thing. He's trying to he's trying to say that's a good thing, and that it well." I'll I'll let my my one friend speak for himself, his words speak for himself for themselves. So this friend, the Trump supporter, comes in and says, "Sell their souls, values, integrity, cult." I certainly trust you are referring only to that small fraction of Trumpers who have no critical thinking abilities, rather than half of the nation who st support the president. I don't know if it's half, but okay. As for the photo op, I would rather see a thumbs up and a smile celebrating the life of the child than have that child as an adult someday see the POTUS and the and Flotus holding him with somber faces. I would think that that small baby has no concept of the tragic loss that has happened and in child psychological terms doesn't need people fawning over, all over it with tears streaming, streamed faces and somber expressions. That's my personal perspective. If it were I, I would probably be making happy faces with the baby, as I do with my own kids. He is, he, the president, is representing the country, and what I see in the photos is an attempt to put a happy face and celebrate the optimism and cherished life and ongoing life. Maybe I'll see it differently after a couple cups of coffee, but I doubt it. I think that sounds like somebody who has sold their soul, their values, their integrity, and is part of a cult. Don't you? Now, of course, nobody has a soul. <laughs> I'm an atheist. I don't believe in souls. But if you do, doesn't that sound like that? Well, when I finally... You know, it, it, the conversation between the two friends went back and forth. But I, I came in and I, I, said, I said this. Well, now that you've had your cup of coffee... Try this little thought experiment. Close your eyes, clear your mind, relax. Now, picture the image of the big smiles and the thumbs up. Let the Trumps fade from that image. Now, in their place, imagine, with the same smiles and thumbs up, it's the Obamas or the Clintons. Tell me, are you feeling that same sense of charity? Are you just as willing to twist your logic to be supportive of their behavior? Are you? Really? Or would you be more likely to criticize the Obamas or the Clintons for not treating the moment with the gravity it deserves? You know, you can still be a fan of the president and think he presented himself at this terrific opportunity as a dumbass. He used the phrase terrific opportunity when he was telling the... Uh, uh, reporters just before he left for uh, Dayton and uh, and El Paso. Uh, he thought, you know, and it's just I, I thought it was a poor choice of words. My friend came back to me and said, "You've known me for 25 years, for more than 25 years, actually. You tell me if if you have ever known me to be that sort of mindless individual." And I said, "Yes." When you try to convince me that big smiles and a thumbs up pick is somehow preferable in this situation to showing the to showing the gravity of the moment is understood. Uh, 
You would not have tried the sa that same convoluted logic had it been the Clintons. I know that for almost a 98% certainty. That had it been the Clintons, he would not have given them that fair shake. He would not say, oh, they're cherishing life. So he responds, so you are saying my current statement on a social media thread eradicates everything you know about me? I said, nope. I said, you're just wrong about this. I don't know how you can't see it. It's possibly because he has his blinders on and maybe because he sold his soul, his values, and his integrity. Maybe he's part of a cult. Now, I told you I will practice some uh, principle of charity, but I'm going to have to do that after I come back from this break. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dimfit Simmons. I'll be back. Hey, this is Danny Potts from the Kentucky Ghost Chasers, and you're listening to Z-Talk Radio. If you don't clean up your room, the Board of Health is going to condemn it. The Board of Health doesn't even know about your room. What's more, they don't care. You know, if you keep making that face, it's going to freeze that way. Not unless you're someplace really, really cold. Actually, a lot of the warnings moms hand out are a bit exaggerated. If you don't get your blood pressure checked, you could have high blood pressure, not even know it, and you could die from a stroke. But she's right about that one. Fact is, high blood pressure contributes to 200,000 American deaths each year. And a third of those who have high blood pressure don't know it. If they did, it'd be simple to treat. Call the American Heart Association at 1-800-AHA-USA-1 or visit AmericanHeart.org on the web to learn more. Better still, ask your doctor to check your blood pressure. If you run with those scissors... It's the least you can do. He's endlessly pushing the rock of reason up the hill of paranormal. It's Dr. Dim and you're listening to Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. Looking from a window above, it's like a story of love. And welcome back to Dimland Radio here in the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dimpit Simmons. Okay, uh, practicing the principle of charity in this situation. Um, there are plenty of pictures taken of uh, the president's visit to those hospitals. And you know, many of them show him you know, walking through the halls, being escorted by by hospital staff, meeting with other patients. Some of the pictures have him doing this. The posed pictures. These are the ones for the record. The posed pictures where he's got that big, stupid, goofy grin and sometimes he's doing the thumbs up. There are those. But there are other pictures where he's, you know, he's looking serious. He's talking with other people. He has the, you know, what I would say the proper expression for such a situation. Uh, that's you know, so there are those, and you can you can pick a picture and make somebody look terrible or make them look great. It's like that Beyonce photo from the the Super Bowl halftime, where there's a picture that just catches her in mid move, and she looks really harsh. You know, the, it's just her, her her muscles are contorted in a certain way, her face is contorted, and she it's not the most flattering look. She's a very attractive woman, and when you're watching her do her dancing and everything like that, you don't see those extreme contortions, but you see it in a frozen photo, and it's like, ooh, what happened there? But she's, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just an inopportune flash of the camera. And 
that's that can happen and so somebody can decide let's show these pictures and make them look bad or let's show these pictures and make the person look good you know that can happen but the the difference of these photographs with the president is when he's gathered with someone and he's posing and he knows that he's supposed to be taking you know this is a picture that's going to go out in the paper this is a picture that's going to go out online go out on the evening news this is going to be something he's going to that's going to be seen this is something that we'll use in a campaign ad when I run for re-election, which he will win. I'm just preparing you for it. Well, anyway, uh, from the opinion piece written by Graham Wood in The Atlantic, he says he, he practices a little bit of the principle of, of charity. He says, the President of the United States is, is photographed wherever he goes. And of course, some of those photos will show him picking his nose or smirking when he should be serious. The optical demands of the office are impossible to appreciate, and we should forgive him for the occasional tw failure to twist his face into an appropriate expression. But sometimes, and this is one of those times, the pose with the baby, the optical demands of the office are the only demands. The, in the immediate bereavement of the, an infant's parents, nothing is needed but respectful silence. Not a big grin and a thumbs up. Oh, my notes just fell on the floor. Um, that's okay. I got it. And I want to talk about another photograph from that day. Big smile, thumbs up from the president. But he's surrounded by hospital staff, doctors, nurses, administrators, orderlies, staff. It's like a dozen or, or more people surrounding him. And they're all posing for this picture, and some of the staff are smiling. One of them is actually doing a thumbs up, too. And I don't have a problem with that picture. That's, that's a different context. He's meeting with the professionals that are helping the, the, the survivors of this tragedy. He's showing them a vote of confidence. I could see that being interpreted as being, you know, we're proud of you guys. America supports you. I support you. You know, you're doing a good job. I, I, don't, I don't see that being a problem in this, in, you know, with him smiling and thumbs ups with the staff. These are professionals doing their jobs. You know, it's, you know, you can laugh at a funeral. It's not wrong to laugh at a funeral. I mean, it's not, you know, it, that happens. There's, there's moments where, where it's right. And I, I'm willing to cut him the slack on that photograph. You know, maybe, and you might be saying, well, Jim, you seem to be twisting your logic. Maybe, maybe that's a little bit of it, but I, I don't see that being the problem because he's not standing with a victim. He's not standing with an infant child who will never know his parents. And there's a second photo that's taken at the same time. You know, it's, 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 it's taken between the, the, the official pose. It's the you know, photogra uh, photographers just snapping away. And it shows the, st the staff. Some of them are really laughing at something that the president said. You know, maybe said, you know, <laughs> you know we're going to build that wall. We're going to make the Mexicans pay for it. <laughs> and they're all laughing. You know, maybe that's what he said. And, and in, it, I, again, I, I think within that context, that's okay. I don't have a problem with that. So I'm practicing the principle of charity as far as that photograph goes. I think that's fine. And the other pictures sh tend to show him acting properly. It's just he really does show a certain cluelessness when he, you know, when he poses with a thumbs up with a baby who's lost its parents. And when my friend, who's a Trump supporter, can't see that, it's just, I, you know, you can still support the president, but think that he did something dumb there. That that's, yeah, that was tone deaf. That didn't work. How can you not? All right, now i got to pick up my notebook and see where I can go. Sorry to go so long on it, but uh, I promise I'll, I'll avoid talking about uh, uh, the, the president for a for a while, at least. Um, I wanted to mention this. This will this will make it up to a friend of mine who who um, who doesn't enjoy when I talk about President Trump. Uh, 
uh, he took a picture and he was at some uh, I think he was uh, doing some photography for a, an event and and it was some festival of some sort that took place not all that long ago and uh, he took a picture of a banner that uh, was uh, uh, outside of a booth and uh, you know how the you have to have heard of it this CBD oil it's 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 a cannabinoid it's a uh, produced from cannabis which is pot marijuana you know um, but it doesn't have the THC the THC is the stuff that makes you high and it doesn't have that or it has very little of it but the thing about C CDB, uh, CBD oil is that it's it's a supplement it's not a medicine so the regulations on it are much more lax and so you don't know if you're getting all the stuff that you should be getting in it or if you're getting stuff that you shouldn't be getting in it you don't know and so my friend took this photograph of uh, uh, of a particular product uh, that's by some company or some outfit that's called uh, Vasayo Vasayo I'm not sure how you say it CBD1 now I want you to listen and count the weasel words in this uh, in this uh, on this banner <clears throat> CBD1 may help promote relaxation may help support discomfort and mood may help support healthy immune system may provide positive mental support may help support healthy sleep heart healthy well, that I, I that I guess it is heart healthy, because <laughs> they didn't say may. How many weasel words did you did you count in there? Uh, I counted five mays, uh, three supports, and one promote. Now there's more than just uh, there's 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 a couple uses of the words support that are different uses of support. So may may help support discomfort may help support healthy immune system that's one way of saying it um, may provide uh, uh, may provide mental health support uh, or uh, positive mental health support uh, that's a little different word than the support there uh, I think it's a little bit different uh, it's a noun not a verb and may support healthy sleep this the may it, it might it might do this it may do it but it may not so buy some but the, the weasel words are used so that the FTC or the FDA but it's probably the FTC doesn't come down on them well, we're not saying it's going to do it we're saying it might and but the customer the consumer that may not be as skeptical as they should be will look at that and say oh it, it promotes relaxation it supports discomfort and mood it supports a healthy immune system it provides positive mental support it helps support uh, it, it helps support a healthy sleep that's how they're gonna read it the maze are just gonna disappear and who wants to support discomfort why would you want to support that I think you would want to support comfort, wouldn't you? So it's, yeah, it's bullshit. CBD oil has been shown to help with some, with a couple forms of epilepsy that affect younger people. Uh, I think it lessens the severity and the frequency of seizures. But that's about it at this point. That's about it that it's been shown to do. Uh, and it's, and it's, it's claimed to do all kinds of stuff. It's a panacea. When you've got so many claims, come on. Yeah, it's it's you got to be you got to think this is too good to be true. Yeah, the CBD. I'll have the picture up on the show notes page. You can check it out. Um, let's see. I want to recommend a YouTube uh, series for you guys to watch. It's called Welcome to the Basement. It was recommended to me by my friend Craig and another friend uh, Tim. So he said that was a good idea. It's a movie review uh, series. It, each episode is about 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes long. And uh, the two fellows that hosted, a fellow named Matt Sloan and the other fellow is uh, Craig Johnson. Matt Sloan seems to be the, the main host because he says he, he drives the, the thing along the most. He introduces the show and all that. 
And what they'll do is they'll pick a movie that Matt hasn't seen. Then the two of them will sit on a couch and they'll watch the movie and they'll riff on it, make some jokes about it, and they'll explain what goes on in the movie throughout, and then they'll give a review at the end, and then they'll have a segment at the at the end of their their of the video where they call it's called seen it, and they'll go through some movies where people suggest movies for their their review, but thing is Matt has to not have seen it so they'll they'll go through and they say well we've seen this one and they'll give some mini reviews of those and the guys are really nice they're funny they're a little corny it's a little corny but you know it's it's they're funny and though you should be you should realize that they will spoil the movie because they'll tell you what happens throughout the whole thing <coughs> excuse me I had a little cough there and I want to give 10 points to Matt. Matt was talking about the movie The Oxbow Incident. They were He hadn't seen that one. It was a movie they reviewed. Because that's, that's an older movie. They'll look at older movies as well as newer ones. And that's cool. He was talking about... Uh, there's a scene in there where Henry Fonda is, uh, is, is got a little too drunk and he's hungover or something. And he, he asks he's going to get sick. He's sitting inside the bar and he runs outside the bar to throw up. And Matt brings up the, you know, I don't like it in this these modern movies and TV shows where they have to show you, you know, they have to show the character vomiting. Uh, vomiting. They have to show it. Because in the old days, you know, that was enough. He ran out. We knew what he's doing. You might hear him cough up a little, cough a little bit, but you're not going to hear the splash of the vomit, or you're not going to, you know, and you're certainly not going to see it. And I went, yes, ten points, ten points, Matt, because I agree. I don't need to see it. It's it's I, I I suppose sometimes you really want that visceral reaction you really but you don't need it every damn time and it's happening too damn much and it's just it's ridiculous but it is a really good series it's like I said it's 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 a little corny but they're funny and they're and and they're very they seem like two really nice guys and 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 they have some nice opinions about movies and things like that so you really 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 ought to check it out uh it's called welcome to the basement good night Herr doctor good night frau blucher okay uh sorry about the unpleasantness of the middle part of the show but what are you gonna do it's my show i gotta talk about some stuff so you've been listening to dimland radio oh remember to be skeptical and extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence um let's see uh this has been dimland radio on the ztalk radio network and i'm your host jim dr dim fitzsimmons reminding you to sleep with the lights off Oh, 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 before this thing goes on, I wanted to give you a little clarification about the Minnesota Skeptics and the public television station that did the video thing. I said I wasn't sure if the five to eight minute video segment was going to be just about us or if they were going to have other social groups included in there. But uh, Minnesota Skeptics Elder Craig, my friend Craig, said that no, the whole, you know, there will be a whole segment just about the Minnesota Skeptics and that will be the pilot episode which i guess means that'll be the first one that they put up we'll see when it when we get closer so that's a little clarification for you that uh the the whole video segment will be exclusively about us uh skeptics and uh uh you know we're from minnesota and such anyway now back to the end of the show you can check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option, and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission.
This has been a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. And now, a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. What did you think of tonight's installment of Dimland Radio? Wow. Wow. Well, I'm going to hell. <laughs>